good afternoon and welcome to your DIY Health here on the People's Patriot Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's Thursday, November 19th, 2020. This program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I'm not a doctor, and that's a good thing. In my opinion, the doctors most people go to see when they have a health issue, MDs, are wrapped around the axle of their training. Unfortunately, their training is in drugs and surgery, and it doesn't equip them to treat the over 900 chronic health issues that are proven to be a result of a nutritional deficiency. I'm simply someone who's been studying under the tutelage of one of, if not the top nutritional authorities in the world, Dr. Joel Wallach. Now, I don't treat diseases. I don't even treat people. I simply advise people how to give their bodies the raw materials they need to support and maintain good health. And when the body has what it needs, it'll fix itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Then you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And there's all kinds of information there. We encourage you to check it all out. All the products we talk about are there. Um, and if you have any questions about anything, just click the Contact Me button. It'll allow you to send an email or call and leave a message. And we'll get back with you as quickly as we can. And hopefully get you your, get your questions answered, get you on the right track, and uh, on to going bigger and better things. So uh, also hit the Radio Shows button. And at the top of the page, you'll see the link to our archive page set up through castbox.fm. And then if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do, when they're on, how you listen. And at the bottom of the page, you see the link to our Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the chat room, which is up and running. So, let's see here. Keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the People's Patriot Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say on this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only. So as a responsible adult, you can use the show as a jumping off point to do your own research and due diligence so that you can make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. The number to call into the show is 614-426-8787. 614-426-8787. One last time, 614 426 8787. If you're on Skype, you can send a contact request to Sarge45ACP. That's S A R G E, the numbers 45 and the letters ACP as in Paul. Mention you're a listener, we'll get you approved, and from that point on, you'll be able to call in in excellent audio quality. And um, being that it is Thursday, uh, our guest on Thursdays is Mike Gaddy, and we're going to try and get a hold of him uh, right now. Let's see if I can buzz him in here. Hello. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you, my friend. <laughs> uh, have you been uh, watching the uh, press conference with um, uh, Sidney Powell and uh, 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 what's his chops, um, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, I um, I was watching a little of it here, and they're going through all the different things of fraud that they've uncovered, and um, I was uh, doing a little. I don't know, brainstorming or brain farting, I'm not sure which. But um, I uh, was thinking the other day, if this thing with Trump goes on and it goes uh, to the point where uh, Congress has to uh, basically have the the one vote per state deal and uh, they basically pick the president... um, I'm kind of curious if that doesn't set Trump up for a very interesting situation. If he was to be seated as president by Congress um, through that voting process, as opposed to being elected. According to the 22nd Amendment, the, uh, the, it says that no person shall be elected to the office of president more than twice. 
So theoretically, I'm not sure if I'm right on this, but if he's appointed or seated as president by vote of Congress, does that not, uh, is that considered because it's not called, it's, it's not an election per se, and uh, that would possibly make it possible for him to run for a third term because the third term would be his, his actual second elected term. Does that make sense, and am I on the right track there, or am I totally off base? Well, that's an interesting thought, Jim, but uh, the Congress would not be called in to decide if there hadn't been an election. So I think the point would be made, uh, you know, with the, the same thing happened in 1800 with Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr, and it went through 35 votes in the House of Representatives before a deal was made between a couple of congressmen and uh, Jefferson became president. Uh, hmm. But Jefferson was only eligible for two, two terms, and that was the first one. And that resulted because of an election, because the Congress would have no power to get involved if there hadn't been an election. So it would be an interesting point. Hmm. Yeah, I was just kind of curious. It was just something that was going through my mind. But uh, so, what of uh, what's going through your mind these days? Well, I don't know, Jim. I <laughs> my mind works kind of wacky, I guess. <laughs> I'm always looking at different scenarios, and one of the things I'm going to get into tonight with Terry Dodd is the uh, article that came out in July, written by Max Boot of the uh, Washington Post, or what I refer to as Pravda on the Potomac. (laughs) Uh, And Max Boot is a member of CFR and of Council on Foreign Relations, which, of course, is a one-world order globalist group. And on July the 6th of this year, Max Boot wrote an article in the Washington Post titled, What If Trump is 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 defeated but refuses to leave office (laughs) and then he went into uh telling during the article that there had actually been a focus group set up of which he was a member that went through all of the different scenarios surrounding if that event should happen well lo and behold it happens and i am most familiar with a facet of psyops called predictive programming so they throw events out to the public ahead of time to see how the public reacts to them sometimes before they implement them so it was uh you know and they did that especially with COVID-19 look how many times they did that Fauci in 17 January of 17 uh says that uh you know that Trump is going to face a mystery pandemic in 2020 how did he know? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> Probably because well, he planned it. Uh, you know, and not only that, but in 2003, the TV show Law and Order had a uh, storyline in their one-hour program, and they found a mystery vaccine, a uh, mystery uh, vaccine bacteriological or virus or what have you they found it in the in the rear of a car and uh they called it covid (laughs) the covid virus and uh, that's 17 years ago and the one thing i do know is these people are devious uh super devious but they like to throw events out in their predictive programming to see how the people react to it or it was refer as it used to be referred to as well. Let's run that sucker up the flag and see who's up the flagpole and see who salutes. Right, man. So this uh, scenario of uh, Trump refusing to leave office. What did they uh, end up consider- configuring or figuring out? Anything? Well, they, they went. They went through a lot of scenarios, but there's one, you know, and I, which prompted me to start going through different scenarios in my mind as well, Jim. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that troubles me is, uh, and it's a very possible scenario, is that 
uh, once the courts, and I don't think there is any doubt whatsoever, as I said in a uh, post on Facebook this morning, uh, election fraud would have been visually uh, uh, apparent to Ray Charles. So, I mean, to believe that there is election fraud, uh, to not believe it is, is to be absolutely ridiculous. And my number one uh, reason for believing it is how almost instantaneously the press came out and said, well, there's no evidence of it. Exactly. I mean, everybody was harping the same line. Mm-hmm. So that's not objective reporting. So right. it tells me that that's part of the predictive programming. So uh, you look at the uh, the scenario. One of the things that troubles me is either uh, the courts uh, going through the Supreme Court, which would be unconstitutional again, like we did in 2020, is the Supreme Court says that Trump is the president because of election fraud. And I, I think that's where it's going to go. But or the uh, U.S. Congress says that, uh, you know, because if they vote, because there are more blue states than there are, I mean, more red states than there are blue states. Mm-hmm. And each state gets one vote. So right. uh, that predictively could be Trump as well. Yeah. So if that happens... Uh, the internal uh, affairs of this country in the inner cities is going to erupt in one massive, mm-hmm. one massive uh, display of rioting and, and violence. I mean, it will be huge, almost right. everywhere. Yeah. So then, what does Trump do? Does he declare martial law, which is unconstitutional? And I'm sure the New World Order folks in his cabinet. Uh, Pompeo and Barr and all of the rest of them that he's picked for his cabinet would be screaming, let's do martial law. Mm-hmm. And then where does that lead us, Jim? Yeah. Uh, if we go into martial law, I, I'm, I'm really, really troubled. And then let's not forget to play in the uh, Trump card here. And I don't know, uh, you know, that's, that's pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Throw in the Trump card of vaccines, forced vaccines, and I think that's just right around the uh, right around the corner. I was just reading Florida's mandates this morning, and that's one state away. Florida is going to mandate, uh, and possibly if you are over the age of 62 and you do will not, you refuse to take the vaccine, you will not receive your Social Security benefit. <laughs> Man. What do you think about that? And in Florida, that's a toughie because there's, you know, I mean, that's, that's where the, that's the, like the elephant burial ground, so to speak. That's where all the old people go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's where Yankees go to die. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, uh, there's a lot of factors to play in here, but I promise you if Trump is declared president either by the Supreme Court or by the Congress, uh, the inner cities will erupt. I, I think that's a given. Oh, yeah. I think uh, regardless, of, you know, if, if Trump ends up a president, regardless of how it happens, <laughs> it's definitely going to be a, a crap storm in the big cities. No question. Well, look at because immediately the left is going to claim the election was stolen from them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my, the thing that troubles me, Jim, is this part here is if Trump does get into that position and uh, violence occurs on a large scale, will the conservative right go along with Trump violating the Constitution just to get even with the leftists? That is a scenario that scares the hell out of me. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, unfortunately, the vast majority of uh, so-called conservatives would probably allow that. Uh, it's it's a shame. You know, that's... I can remember back in 2016 when, uh, you know, the... Uh, Republicans were just starting to field their, you know, extra wide <laughs> uh, group of uh, people running. And I had a friend of mine who was a big fan of Ted Cruz. And, you know, I brought up to him, I said, how on, on earth, you know, you complained about Obama 
being not being a, a natural born citizen, but you're willing to let the same thing happen with Ted Cruz. He's not a natural born citizen. And that guy was like, you know, he, he, it didn't make any difference as long as it was his guy. And that's the problem. You know, whether you're left, you're right. You know, there's leftists, rightists, and then, then you've got the constitutionalists. And um, unfortunately, there aren't enough people that believe in the Constitution and the other stuff be damned. And that's that's the situation that we're finding ourselves in. And it's going to bite us big time here soon. Yeah, I, I agree. We've co- created, and I believe, I blame it right on the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have created a, a polarized country. Yeah. And if you really want to get someone angry at Trump, just have the left attacking. And that does more to promote him in their eyes than him doing anything good. Right. They will they will embrace Trump because he's being attacked by the leftists. <laughs> exactly, you know my guy is I, my uh, guy. <laughs> go ahead, man. <sighs> well, I saw a survey this morning that said that twenty eight percent of Trump supporters had stated in a survey there was nothing he could do. That would turn them against him. Hmm. There's, you know, I can't think of too many things. You know, he said it himself. You know, he could, you know, shoot somebody at, you know, you know, Main Street and whatever, you know, in in middle of New York City at noon and still get elected. You know, people people that like him like him, and people that don't don't, and it's. You know, that's a very polarizing thing. Well, when you put a human being above the Constitution, I believe we as a country have lost. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully, uh, you know, that's my biggest concern is his uh, lack of good advisors. And um, I would like to think that he try would try to adhere to the Constitution, but I'm not that gullible, I guess you could say. Uh, we'll have to. Well, Jim, he doesn't have any advisors that have ever adhered to the Constitution. Barr sure as hell hasn't. Uh, yeah. Pompeo has been deep state his entire career. Uh, you know, Munchkin and these other ones, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but these other people are have strong connections to the uh, One World Order uh, people. It uh, That has been the thing that has made me distrust Trump from day one, is putting those people into positions of power. Yep. Uh, pardon me. Uh, still got a bad Certainly. cough going on here. But... Uh, Sorry about that. I was uh, took the first two days this week uh, and ran replays because I've had uh, late in the season lawnmower cough <laughs> is what I call it. Oh no! Yeah, when I go out and cut grass late in the season, it gets all dusty, and I end up inhaling a bunch of that crap, and I end up coughing my head off. And it's been especially bad this year, and. Uh, I'm, you know, using my cough button, something severe here. <laughs> I've got my little cough drops handy and everything else, but uh, every once in a while it just gets me. But um, here we go again. Um, oh, man, I'm just losing my train of thought. Plus, I got a guy that keeps texting me <laughs> in the middle of the show. I told him, I said, not now. <laughs> uh, it's hard enough to concentrate as it is. But, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, I was, uh, I was looking at the, um, uh, Rudy Giuliani and I'll tell you in this, uh, press conference and he is sweating like a, like a fiend. I don't know if it's the, the lights or what, but he is just, seems like he's just sweating like crazy and something, I don't know if his hair coloring or whatnot is running down his face, <laughs> but, uh, 
Oh man, I'll tell you what, it'll be interesting. I'm 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 enjoying what I what I did here. Uh, they did a good job, I think, of laying out the um, the case for fraud. And basically, they haven't gotten into certain things that I would really love to see. Um, there was a server over in uh, Frankfurt, Germany, that supposedly the U.S. military uh, seized. And it was um, uh, run by this, uh, I think it's Seitel company or something. It's, it's part of this uh, Dominion uh, group that... Um, CIA. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were based in uh, Barcelona, but they also had this server farm in uh, Frankfurt. And the U.S. military went in and seized this thing, and that's apparently where all the votes were being aggregated. And um, from what I've seen, that the information on that server showed that Trump had had, had somewhere around 80 million votes to about 25 million for Biden. Um, the raw data coming in. And then, of course, it was all tweaked and skewed to, you know, make Biden look like the winner. But I'm hoping that well, they I give saw, some I saw some things on that, Jim, and what I was seeing was uh, from a computer programmer from his point of view, and what he was saying is that many of the Trump votes were just uh, by the programming on that com- on that server that when the Trump votes came in, many of them were actually put into folders and just Deleted. disappeared. Yeah. And all of the uh, mistakes that were made, which he brought up a very valid point, he said all of the mistakes that were made in the entire system were uh, Biden over Trump. He said when you find mistakes in an accurate system, they're usually pretty well split. Mm-hmm. But to look at a uh, system where every mistake uh, aided Biden and hurt Trump is to be very suspicious. Yeah, there's, there's not mistakes. That's called programming. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he was, yeah. he was being generous. He mm-hmm. wasn't trying to uh, come across as being partisan. Right. But he was facing it, and he explained it real well uh, on a, uh, you know, a computer uh, glitch uh, type, as they're claiming. Uh, he explained it how it couldn't be a glitch that it had to be programming. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's what it's uh, appearing to be. Uh, it wasn't until uh, just the last few days, when in Georgia they found like uh, six thousand votes that were for Trump, and those were the kind of things that apparently were hidden someplace so people wouldn't count them. But other than that, all the dumps that came in were all huge numbers for Biden. And the interesting part was, and they, they mentioned this in these uh, in this press conference today, was a lot of the uh, ballots, they were pristine paper, different from the regular ballots. And um, in most cases, it was a, a perfect little dot just for Biden on every single form uh, with no uh, other ticket people in there at all. It was just a vote for Biden and hundreds of thousands of them. And that's highly unlikely then of course you've got the over over balloting where you know you have uh, more people registered to vote than or more people cast votes than are actually registered in that area and of course that you know causes more issues uh, but it's a primary example of fraud and Doug is trying to call in and I can't merge him so Doug hang on I will call you back and get you in here if I can find him here real quick. Uh, why does it not? Come on. This stupid thing. <laughs> uh, there we go. See if we can add him in here. See what he has to say. Uh, calling Doug. Come on. Just waiting to see here. Anyway, um, yeah, it's well, it looks like Doug, we got you. Hello, Doug. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, it went to voicemail. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions for Mr. Gaddy. One is when we're speaking about martial law, and let's say there's rioting and chaos in the 
states, um, does if the governor of the state or the attorney general, whoever is the person that can uh, call upon this, uh, if they call out National Guard, uh, does that equate to martial law to uh, quell the disturbance? No, I think martial law has to be declared, and martial law would be declared over an entire, uh, like the entire United States. It wouldn't be specific to one area. Okay, so then that kind of answers my question from one point of view. Now, my second question is, uh, you stated before that if the governor uh, asks for help from the federal government to quell uh chaos does that and and the federal government comes in does that equate to martial law well um, again martial law would have to be declared and the constitution states that the legislature of the state should be the one to call in the uh, aid from the president or the federal government they should be the ones to request it but if they are not in session then it would be the governor. But the uh, attorney general is not mentioned in that equation at all. So then, uh, so let's say whatever, the governor or the legislative body uh, wants help from the federal government, would that still be deemed as a, a, a negative thing, as martial law in your estimation there? No, martial law has to be declared, and martial law cannot be declared for a state it would have to, or a city or a locale. It would have to be declared for the whole country. No. So what is the um, – is there something similar? Uh, let's say it's not martial law. Um, you've talked about um, in these cities where riots are going on, and they have to ask Trump, we'll say – so it's not really they don't have to ask Trump. It's actually they have to ask the federal legislature. Is that how that uh, works? They petition the federal government, and the executive head would be the president. Okay. So then if the executive head is the president, does he have to then uh, request an authorization from the legislature? To enact no, that's, it? That's, that's not required. Okay, so then it's possible that if it if all the ducks fell in the right place, that uh, if the whatever state where chaos was going on, uh, that it could end up at Trump's desk, and he could authorize it, and although. You're saying it would have to be, would it always have to be called martial law or could it be uh, just, uh, you know, to this state? No, martial law for the entire country can't be declared for a state. No, but I'm saying is there a situation where something that effectuates the same result uh, could be uh, put in place or effectuated where a state where the federal government could send in troops or whatever. What about the Insurrection Act? Well, that is, uh, the uh, phraseology is for rebellion or insurrection. Mm -hmm. And that would be, that is why a, a state legislature or a governor could call the federal government for assistance. But our history is ripe with presidents doing that without congressional authority, beginning with George Washington. <laughs> and it's without, Trump. Without I'm constitutional sorry. authority, I'm sorry. No, so what I'm thinking here out loud is that um, looking at the, the demographics, in a way, of uh, the people, whether on the Republican side or Democrat side, in the legislature, uh, they, it's not that they don't understand um, how this could be done, 
without declaring um, martial law over all the states, they, because they tend to lean left, um, that this probably wouldn't happen, but that was really where my questions were leading was, it could happen if it were done right, without yes, declaring martial law. It could be done without declaring martial law, of course. Uh, Eisenhower sent troops into Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, and that was without request of either the uh, governor or the legislature. Uh, Kennedy sent troops into Alabama, uh, and that to put uh, to cover the blacks entering the University of Alabama. That was unconstitutional. Uh, Eisenhower was unconstitutional. Lincoln, in uh, sending troops into the southern states, was unconstitutional. He had been asked for no help. Uh, and George Washington sending troops into Pennsylvania to put down the Whiskey Rebellion was unconstitutional. So there's lots of, uh, as a matter of fact, the governor of Pennsylvania had asked the president to stay out of Pennsylvania in the Whiskey Rebellion, and he totally ignored him. So let me ask you this question that comes to mind. So when we look at what happened in Kent State, Ohio, how did that play out? Was it the state that actually came in and did that? You know, the no, four dead in Ohio? Doug, I'm not exactly sure who invited them out, but uh, you hit uh, really close to home with that one because my wife was at Kent State when that happened. So, so you don't, you can't, you know, give a guess that was the Ohio on who National made the Guard. call that there was all within and the which, state. Uh, whether it was the state or the federal uh, group um, troops. I believe the, the governor of Ohio uh, brought in the National Guard to deal with the riots at Kent State, I, I think, think is what correct. happened there. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that answered my question, so thank you. Certainly. Well, Jim, the one thing I wanted to tell you, you mentioned Georgia, and I'm living here in Georgia, so I, at the current time, uh, so I have really been trying to keep up with these lawsuits in Georgia, and they are quite interesting because the majority of lawsuits in Georgia haven't been taken out by any candidate or anyone in the government, but they have been taken out by the people of Georgia, and they have... Uh, and many of them are uh, lawsuits based on what happened at the local level. That's not surprising. Um, the uh, again, my brain's fried here. <laughs> well, one of the things I'd like to say about that that scares me about that, and I'm waiting to see how this works, is when the attorney in New Jersey filed a lawsuit against Obama and said that Obama was not allowed to be president because he wasn't a natural-born citizen, the federal courts said he did not have standing. And he said, but I am a voter. And they said, you still have no standing. So he went out and found a retired Army colonel, lieutenant colonel, mm -hmm. who would be his client. So he again sued having Obama... Uh, removed because he wasn't a natural-born citizen. And the federal courts in that case said, you do not have standing even with a client. <laughs> and so his question was to what? dispute an election as a citizen, what would be required? And the federal courts told him, as a citizen, you can't dispute an election the only person who could dispute an election is the other candidate. Yeah, now, I'm really lost. looking forward to see, because that's precedent, and I'm really looking forward to see how the federal courts handle these lawsuits in Georgia. Definitely. That's insane. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, anybody who is, you know, a citizen of the jurisdiction, so, so to speak, 
of the area involved should be should have standing. And well, my point was, and I wrote on this one time, Jim, is that if you are affected by the outcome of an right. election, you that uh, by uh, by simple logic makes you have standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. But the federal courts have not agreed. That's that is absolutely crazy. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. You're right. You know, if they apply those same standards to all the, you know, every one of these states, not just Georgia, uh, but there's potential for all of them. You know, we could have a real mess on our hands. Uh, oh, I that's, think that's coming, Jim. I don't think there's any doubt of that. This, uh, yep. I do not see this election thing being settled uh, before uh, inauguration day. To be honest, it'll definitely be interesting. They'll have to really well, push their, you know, push things their little to do it. I, I just pulled out my um, uh, Constitution of Arkansas of 1874, oh. and. Uh, the number one, I guess you would call it a section in Article 2, Declaration of Rights, says, all political power is inherent in the people and government is instituted for their protection, security, and benefit, and they, the people, uh, have the right to alter, reform, or abolish the same in such manner as they think proper, uh, may as they may think proper, and um, so uh, I don't see government. I mean, uh, the judicial body is created by the government who are the people. So I don't, uh, to me, this is word wizardry by the judicial body to say that any citizen or of the people uh, do not have standing. It just, uh, that is a non-qualifier. It it just doesn't make sense. Absolutely. And I uh, made that, uh, statement, as a matter of fact, if you want to skip down there to Article 2, Section 5, uh, Doug, I actually read Article 2, Section 5 to the governor of Arkansas sitting across the table from him. You want to read that one for me? Yes, sir. Uh, Article 2, Section 5, right to bear arms. The citizens yes, of this, pardon me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. The, the citizens of this state shall have the right to keep and bear arms for their common defense. So, so what that makes me think, what, does that mean that uh, the, the, what are you defending here? Okay. If it's, if it's the common defense, common means it's applicable to the majority of the citizens of the state. And therefore, if businesses are being shut down, if uh, your businesses are being looted, uh, uh, put to fire, etc., cetera, um, if you as a citizen are under threat of uh, life and limb, then uh, that uh, section five is uh, applicable. Well, uh, Doug, if I may, if you don't mind a little bit of a correction, you said that the common for the common good means for the majority of people. Actually, it means for everybody, because if it fits the common good, it has to pertain to everyone there and not just the majority, because as Jefferson said, the majority, just because you're in the majority, doesn't mean you can oppress the minority. Yeah, I don't know if I said common good. It says uh, they're, they're, the citizens of the state shall have the right to keep and bear arms for their common defense. Right. Not, well, common defense, the word common means that it fits everybody. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. So, I, uh, 
But the point was, is the Article 2, Section 1 that you read, which was in the uh, Arkansas Bill of Rights, is I had a discussion, a public kind of debate with a member of the Arkansas Appellate Court in Harrison uh, one night. I had a debate with him because the Supreme Court had said that the state was sovereign. And I said, no, the people are sovereign. And so we had a mini debate. And I, my reference was Article 2, Section 1. And I said, if the state was sovereign, the state could uh, abolish or the people. But it's the other way around, and the people are sovereign because they can abolish the government. Well, that seems to, that seems to make sense here by the very language, because if all political power is inherent in the people and government is instituted for their protection, then ipso facto, the government came out of the people. There's no way that any government body could ever, it'd be like the, the pot becoming the potter, or becoming greater than the potter. It just, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. That was uh, my point in my discussion with the uh, appellate court judge and Harrison in our discussion. That was my exact point was that uh, the Arkansas Constitution says the people are sovereign and the Supreme Court of Arkansas said the state was sovereign uh, because it was in a, a lawsuit and uh, the Supreme Court had ruled that the state could not be sued that the state was sovereign, and that was our discussion. It was a, it was a good discussion. I gave a lot of credit to the uh, uh, justice uh, uh, of the appellate court. He was very professional, very upfront, and it was an enjoyable discussion that we had. We even got into a discussion on the Bill of Rights, which was quite, uh, quite informative as well. And I believe that's one thing that's missing in America today is when these people in positions of power they should come out in front of the people and be involved in good, vigorous debates about these subjects instead of sitting on an ivory tower and pretending to be God. Well, you can't have two sovereigns. Okay? No, you if can't. The that's that's no, my it, point. Yeah, if the people are sovereign, then the Supreme Court, which is elected or whatever— by the people or by part of the legislative body, they have to be um, um, subservient to the creator who are the people of the government. It, it's just, again, but I, but I see, at least I think, uh, the Supreme Court, the appellate court, et cetera, are saying um, these people have a vested interest because they are, the way it's done now, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, they're created by the legislature, uh, which it has become administrative and not a common law uh, body uh, based upon common law. So they, so there's a conflict of interest there and they want to keep their jobs and they want to, uh, um, um, you know they're the they're the uh, they're the tail of the dog who is serving the the legislature, etc. And but all that aside, if if the facts are the fact is the people are sovereign and they can decide. And well, the, the, and, the Constitution says what you read, Article 2, Section 1, states that unequivocally that the people are sovereign and establishes it very well. But uh, to uh, give you a little bit of a quiz, Doug, uh, uh -oh. can, a con can a contract be established under coercive means? Absolutely not. Threat, okay. duress, and coercion cannot be. Okay, you said in the beginning that that was the Arkansas Constitution of what year? 1874. 
Okay, if I remember correctly, Arkansas seceded and was a member of the Confederacy, and Arkansas was told that the only way they could come back into the United States was to write a constitution and have that constitution approved by the U.S. government. So is the Constitution of 1876 in Arkansas constitutional? Uh, 1874? Yeah, well, 1874. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it constitutional? No. no. So then you would have to go back to the previous Arkansas Constitution to have a constitutional constitution. Correct. That sounds like sounds, sounds like a tongue twister, but when the federal government told the 10 southern states they had to create a constitution acceptable to the federal government, they violated the very intent of the constitution from the beginning, and therefore it's been my contention. I can't get anyone to discuss this. Even the uh, southern centers won't talk about this, but the, that makes the 10 southern states' constitutions unconstitutional because they were obtained through threat and coercion. Yeah, and I remember in, my, in the dealings I had here that I brought up to the appellate court eventually, <coughs> excuse me, I was citing um, the Constitution of 1876. And so that raises a question when they when the legislature here approved the constitution of 1874 i guess that quashed the 1876 uh from a, a a legal position but not from a lawful one because and and so then that brings up a question why does section one say all political powers inherent in the people and then it's it's really not. It's a it's a um, a switching bait. Well, uh, when was Arkansas admitted as a state, Doug? I'm sorry, I don't know. I wasn't living here then. Okay, uh, well, that would the year that they were initially admitted as a state, the constitution that they had at that time would be the only valid constitution. Was that the 1876? No, no, it was uh, prior to that. I forgot exactly what year Arkansas mm, was admitted to the Union. Okay. So did, would you say that the 1876 uh, reflected uh, the previous one? I don't think one constitution can supersede another one. It has to be amended. Well, the 1836 Constitution of Arkansas, and that's when Arkansas was admitted as a state, was 1836. Hmm. So that was uh, just 14 years before, or 15 years before the Civil War. Hmm. So they had had a Constitution for 15 years prior to the war breaking out. So then after under reconstruction arkansas was forced to write a new constitution which was had to be approved by the federal government so they came under the umbrella and authority of the federal government then and this constitution of 1874 is also that well that's my question uh you know and i'm we're probably not uh uh, we would interest people in Arkansas, but we're not probably not interested in Jim's uh, uh, listening audience with this state particular oh, okay. uh, conversation. And uh, no, you don't need to apologize. I brought it up. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jim, where'd you go, buddy? I'm still here. I'm just I'm sitting here enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't. Uh, I apologize for taking it away on that subject. Oh, that's okay. The Constitution, but that's something I've been asking. Uh, the learned uh, uh, people of very many states about the constitutionality of the federal government ordering a state to write a constitution of which it approved. Because that uh, certainly goes against Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, which says that the federal government shall provide to each state a Republican form of government. 
Exactly. And wasn't the federal government instituted by the states and not the reverse? So again, well, you know. that depends on that has been an argument that is a great one, Doug. It really is uh, because Alexander Hamilton was the first person to say that the uh, federal government uh, was actually existed before the states and that the federal government created the states, which is absolutely wrong. All you have to do is read Article 7 of the Constitution, which just totally destroys that argument. But then at that argument came down to the 1830s with uh, uh, Daniel Webster and Joseph Story. Webster as a senator, Story as a member of the Supreme Court. When they argued that same thing, they said that the federal government created the states and not the other way around. And, uh, and in his old age, James Madison backed them up in 1833. And he went along with that. And that, well, that was entirely incorrect. Uh, and uh, their argument, both the stories and Webster's, was that you couldn't secede from the Union because you had never acceded to the Union, and that you had to accede before you could secede. Well, that is a valid point, but the problem is uh, there are about 18 different uh, uh, quotable um, verses from many of the founders and uh, people who created the Constitution who talked about the states acceding to the Constitution. So uh, they were wrong in their arguments. But that was the precursor in 1832-33 to what eventually ended up being the Civil War. And so immediately upon sending troops into the South unconstitutionally, Abraham Lincoln uh, adopted Alexander Hamilton and then Webster and Story's position that the states were not sovereign over the government because the government created the states. Well, to me, I look at this kind of like which came first, the chicken or the egg. And I, I say, well, didn't this, correct me, but I think the states existed before the federal government was formed. What's your... Well, the point on that, I think that we could look at, Doug, with a lot of certainty is the Treaty of Paris in 1783 in which, or 85, uh, in which uh, King George said that he would not sign any uh, peace treaty unless the states signed it individually. So that being a peace treaty, if we want to talk about the establishment, you know, at that point, then uh, why would King George say every state had to sign it or he wouldn't agree to it? But then if you read Article 7 of the Constitution, that is even more emphatic that the states created the federal government and not the other way around. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would assume. But everything gets turned upside down and the history's rewritten and uh, it's hard to find out the facts. Well, if you want truth. if you want anything to be totally confused, let a lawyer handle it. There you go. No, thank you. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, we've only got about six minutes left, so I want to make sure we get uh, information out there on how more people or people can find out more about uh, uh, Mike and his uh, works. He's got two websites, uh, rebelmadman.com and uh, embracingtheobvious.com. Both of those are linked under the links page on my site. And um, tell us about your radio shows, Doug, or uh, Mike, I'm sorry. Well, tonight I'm doing on Blog Talk Radio, I am doing, and this will be an expansion on this discussion on what could happen with this fraudulent election. Uh, I, on Blog Talk Radio, it's uh, uh, handling the truth, and that will be on from 8 Eastern until 9.30 Eastern tonight. Tomorrow, okay. I will uh, be on uh, Dare to Think Out Loud on Revolution Radio from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern time. And then Sunday afternoon, I will be uh, Sunday evening at six o'clock on my own program, which is titled Addicted to Our Own Destruction on Revolution Radio Studio A. Cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And those shows are all really, really good. Uh, every time I catch one, uh, just great information and stuff that really makes you think. Uh, very, very good. 
So uh, let's see here. And Jim, I just wanted to make one more statement here. Sure. Um, it's a personal statement. And I know these constitutions are written with the people as a, uh, a group, etc. cetera. Uh, that's the way it's stated. But in my belief uh, and stance on these issues, every individual has the right to protect themselves with uh, lethalness if their life is... Uh, in jeopardy their life property family friends are in jeopardy and uh, that's it may be where it's coming to okay good point uh, i'll tell you what <laughs> it's been a long week and hopefully I'll be more awake next week. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's been a crazy day. I've had, you know, normally I'm watching the chat room and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm today, for some reason, it's just falling up my head. I apologize, guys. Uh, just been a lot going on. I had to put my dog down this week, and that's that's been a big part of it. Uh, messed me up big time. And uh, anyway... We're, we're just about out of time, so Mike, I want to give you the last few minutes to uh, say anything else that's on your mind. Well, Jim, uh, thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity of being here. And let me know, brother, when I found out about your dog, my heart's been with you. I've had to do that on several occasions. And anyone who has ever loved one of these little furry creatures knows exactly what you're going through. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my heart went out with you as soon as Robert let me know what had uh, what had happened with you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I I certainly understand that and I empathize with you. Uh, Thank you. I just uh, want to tell everyone that you know I think we better hold on because I think this thing's going to get really rocky really soon because I do not see a peaceful way out of this mess. And uh, that is why I would tell everyone, um, in other words, I say I don't see a peaceful way out of this mess without divine intervention. And I think that's something we all should be asking for. I agree 100%. It's going to be uh, a rough couple of months at least, and maybe more. Uh, it's hard to say how long things could drag out, but um, uh, I've already seen, you know, the the supermarket hoarding is going on again. Uh, you know, last week my wife called and said something she'd heard about. Uh, I forget what, no, it was back, I think it was Wednesday when DeWine was going to issue another mask order and uh, said, should I stop by and get some toilet paper? I said, nah, we're okay. But she stopped anyway, and the place was already sold out at Costco. Um, Same yeah. way here. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's absolutely berserk. People are are buying everything up again and going crazy, and uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So hopefully everybody out there has already got your stocks in because it may be a little bit too late now. And I'm not just talking toilet paper, but I'm talking about the essentials, the precious metals like blue steel, brass, and lead, <laughs> things like that. Um, extra food and water and those kind of things. Be ready to hunker down, uh, stay in your house, don't go out, um, don't let anybody in, and uh, just be ready to, to deal with things. Don't travel without uh, being well-armed, and uh, hopefully, you know, it will, uh, you know, if you're ready, you know, you pre prepare for the worst and pray for the best and just pray that God will uh, intervene and take care of us. But... Uh, we're out of time, guys. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate you being here. Doug, uh, unplugged in the chat room. Everybody that's been out there listening, thanks so much. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back live on Monday. Uh, till then, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And we will see you all next week. Take care. And have a